All right. Let me read to you verses 12 through 20 in Philippians chapter 1, and we'll, uh, we'll go forward with this message. He says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ, even from envy and strife, but some also from good. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice." Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that all with boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether life or by death. Father, we thank you for... Paul's words here. We thank you for the scriptures which you've inspired him to write, which you have breathed into him, Father God, that he could put to paper for us to see and for us to be encouraged in this, Father God. I pray that as we go through this message this morning, that you will speak boldly to our hearts. And Father, we will boldly hear you and we will boldly act on the words that we have from you. God, it's my prayer that we become these folks, just like Paul wants, just like Paul is, that we become those bold witnesses, those mature witnesses, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this passage, and it's my prayer, God, that, that we will truly hear it, we'll act on it. And Father, because of that, many more will come to know Christ because of our work in you. Bless this time we have together now, and I ask it in your Son's name, amen. What I want to talk to you about this morning is we've been talking about marks of a mature Christian and this morning what I want to talk to you about is the marks of a mature witness. If, you, if you've known me for any time, you know how, uh, how important this is to me and, and how we become those witnesses that God has called us to be. But we see a great example here. I, I want you to think about this <coughs> even as you think about that donut this morning. Circumstances in our lives often will throw us off, won't they? They kind of throw us off, and and many times it could be that they actually defeat us. Those circumstances do that. And really, when you begin to think about maturity and the maturity of a person, I believe that it can be seen by how well we handle those things that happen to us. How well we handle the circumstances that come into our lives and and, and the things that affect us. And and think about that, those those mood changes. I am... I don't know about you, but I'll confess before you that there are days where I can have great big mood swings. And, and, and you could be happy one minute, and all of a sudden you're just kind of angry the next. And, and, and how do we handle those things? From the mild to the severe, how do we handle those things? And I think that the one thing that we as believers have to do is we have to learn to live above our circumstances. We have to learn to, to write, look at the donut and not the whole This is the subject of this passage here, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. When you begin here and you look at verses 12 through 14, what we begin to see here is that this mature witness will share the gospel regardless of his or her circumstances. Now, there's two big points here that I want you to see this morning concerning this. 
The first thing that I want you to see in these dark circumstances, right? Because this is what Paul's faced with. He's faced with these dark circumstances. And, and why is that? Well, you heard our kids answer it this morning. He's in prison. Paul's sitting in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. And they're staring him right in the face. And I want you to think about his circumstances here because I don't believe there could ever be any more severe n- n- of circumstances that are here, not... not not what they're here presented as for Paul. Paul's waiting really to appear before what, what is the Supreme Court of Rome. This is the high court, the, the big dudes. He's facing this trial, and it's going to be before Nero, the emperor of Rome. So he's going to go and he's going to face him, and, 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 and he's an innocent man, amen? He's an innocent man. He had done nothing that would cause him to be arrested and especially to be imprisoned. He's done nothing. Yet there he is. And what he's waiting on now is the arrival of these these prosecutors, these these Jewish prosecutors. They're going to bring against him trumped-up charges. They're going to bring up him about malicious charges that are all false. And then I started thinking about it. I thought, well, we could, we could look at this, you know, we would say in a positive manner, right? Well, he has some privileges. We're going to see later on that he was, he was renting his own house. He was receiving friends back and forth. We could say that he has some privileges here. But I want you to think about this for a minute because these privileges in the whole grand scheme of things are very minor because he's suffering. He's suffering. He's in prison for two years here. And, and think about this. You know, when you think about prisoners, the, the days begin to wear on and on and on, especially if you're an innocent man. They just go on and on, hour by hour, day by day. And I'm thinking, whatever pressures hang over an imprisoned man, especially an imprisoned innocent man, that's where Paul is. That's what's going on in his life. Whether he lives or dies, it kind of hangs over Paul's head before. And and I want to read to you what he says in Ephesians 3.13. He says, Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. See, what Paul's saying here is he's saying, you know what? These tribulations that are on me are very intense. They're very hard. But I want you to see how Paul's looking at this. He's not grumbling or complaining about his imprisonment. He's not grumbling or complaining about anything. He's not sitting there questioning God and wondering why. He's not good. why? Why, God? Why am I here? I've done nothing but do what you want me to do. Why am I here? He's not doing any of that. He's not whining. He's not murmuring. Let that sink in for a minute. He's not falling to pieces. Oh my God. How could this happen to me? He doesn't curse God. He's not giving up on his faith. He's not walking away from the people who are his Christian brothers and sisters in his life. He's not doing any of that. Instead, he says, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. Wow. We can learn a lot from this just in our own lives. Think about the times we go through what we would say is a very severe tribulation or trial in in our lives. 
How are we handling it? But I want you to see this other use of his dark circumstance. He uses this dark circumstance, what? To spread the gospel. He says, so that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. He's using this circumstance, this very dark circumstance in his life to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't see himself, and understand me here, Paul did not see himself as a prisoner of Rome or of Nero. He saw himself as a prisoner for Jesus Christ, a bondservant. He didn't see himself, and hear me on this, he didn't see himself as a victim. He saw himself as a conqueror for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He didn't play victim. He didn't say, woe is me, poor me, look at my life, look at my circumstances. I was doing all this so you people could know Jesus, but look at me. He doesn't play a victim. He doesn't, when he's meeting with his people, he's not saying, feel bad for me. He's not feeling sorry for himself. He's not a victim, he's a victor. He has victory in Jesus Christ and this will not hold him down. I want you to understand here about him him being bound here. In Acts 28, 20, Paul says he is bound with his chain. In Ephesians 6, 20, he calls himself an ambassador in bonds. When you begin to look at the the Greek word here, it, it, it means this. It's a small length of chain that bound a prisoner to the wrist of a guard to prevent his escape. He's bound to the guard here. I <laughs> want you just to imagine this for a minute with me. Paul's bound to a Roman guard every day and every night for over two years. Every day, every night of his life. Now, our immediate action might go, man, he's bound. How does he sleep? How does he go to the bathroom? How does he do any of that? But what do you think Paul was talking about with those guards? He tells us there in his word, it says, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. That's what he's talking to the guards about, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has a captive audience. I've shared with you many times, you know, you know when you're flying, you've got a captive audience, witness. They can't get away. You think, well, that's just me. No, you don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to be rude. You've got a captive audience and people want to know. I've experienced it. Some don't. That's right, they're not ready. See, Paul spreads the gospel and we see there, he spreads it throughout the Praetorian Guard, right? Now this Praetorian Guard is kind of important. They're the elite Roman army. They're the soldiers that, that were the imperial guard of Rome. These are the most important kind of best, bestest of the best, right? The best of the best guards that were there. They had been handpicked and they had been handpicked to protect the emperor and carry out all of the major armed functions of the state. They, they, you know, I kind of think of them maybe like the Navy SEALs and stuff like that that, that, that are very special soldiers. 
They said there's about 16,000 of them. Most of them were stationed in Rome at any given time because that's, of course, where the emperor is, right? And so it's these soldiers, it's these elite soldiers who are guarding Paul and who are chained to the wrist of Paul. Now, as I'm talking about this, who are you starting to feel sorry for? Not Paul. These soldiers are guarding him. They're chained to him. And they've been chained to him night and day for two years. These were very young men. They were elite Roman youth. These were the up and comings. Starting to see a plan here by God? These are, these are the guys that are going to be somebody. Somebody. And I started to think about this. I thought, man, I wonder how many of those guys got led to the Lord. And we really don't know. But what I want you to see here is that Christ was shared, and he was shared with these men. And and, and the gospel begins to spread throughout, not just the whole Praetorian Guard, but also the palace of the emperor and all these other places because it's going to their homes. It's going to their friends' homes. The gospel is going out. Paul isn't letting his circumstances hold him back. His imprisonment and his stand for Christ in the gospel, which he preached, became the conversation throughout Rome. The whole conversation. They're talking about Paul, this guy who keeps talking about this Jesus. It became the conversation among all the social circles, including the the upper echelon of people, because it made it to the very palace of the emperor himself. The gospel is going out. And here's the lesson for us. Here's the thing that we can learn from this, is we must never let our circumstances get us down. We have to look at Paul and the the, the testimony, the witness that he is, is we should never let those circumstances defeat our testimony. They should never keep us from witnessing for Christ, no matter what they are. I was thinking they could be persecution. It could be some kind of accident in our life. Maybe it's a failure in your life. Maybe it's a bankruptcy, a financial loss. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's imprisonment like Paul. Maybe it's age. Well, I'm just too old. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's loss of a loved one. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's poverty. I could go on and on. All of those are circumstances that can happen and will happen in our life. What are we going to do with it? Paul's in prison facing death. Yet the gospel's going out. If we are the people we say we are and we're living for Christ, we must know that God is in control of our lives. And even in these circumstances and trials and all of these things that are going on, God is in control. He knows what's going on. Well, you as a Christian, you already know that Satan can't do anything to you without God's permission. See, because God says, I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you so you can get over this. I will strengthen you and and I will lift you up so that you can bear whatever circumstances are falling on you. I will strengthen you. I will never leave nor forsake you. See, we have to learn to use the circumstances to be that witness to the saving grace, the saving power of Jesus Christ. In those circumstances, don't you think people will see him more than in the good things? How much more attention do we bring to Christ when we're struggling and we're suffering, yet we're telling our friends and loved ones about Jesus Christ? And they say, well, I know what you're going through. Why are you telling me this? Because Christ is in my life. 
I am not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm a victor. We have to witness all around us. We have to talk about this eternal hope that he gives and this forgiveness of sin and this living forever. And we have to witness to everyone around us, whether we're in, in, in a sick bed. You know, I, I, I think about that and I, I, uh, I've shared with you before my pastor, Pastor Mel, when he was laying in the hospital dying from diabetes. Man was in misery. So much pain. Yet every opportunity he had when a nurse or doctor or any visitor would come in his room, he was telling them about Jesus Christ. Whether we're in our sickbed, whether we're, we're in the midst of death as he was, maybe we're facing money problems or whatever it is. Maybe we're under persecution. Maybe there's some sort of abuse going on in our lives. That's the time to really be testifying of what God's doing in your life. If we've sinned and we've failed, no matter how bad we've done that, what we do is we just repent. We get back to the task of witnessing. We we give it to Christ. We let Him strengthen us. We let Him lift us up. We let Him help us to overcome those circumstances of having failed or sinned or whatever. We do all the things we can to conquer the circumstances of our lives for Christ and to continue to share the gospel to share the good news that we can reach everyone. Amen? All that we do should be done for Christ because He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. See, Jesus died for us. Amen? Jesus died to bear all of our sin. He died to take the punishment that was due us so that that we could live freely to share the gospel that we can live with Him eternally if we will come to know Him as Lord and Savior. He died for us. The problem is the whole world doesn't know this, especially today. The world wants to mock it, amen? The world wants to mimic it. The world doesn't know that the cure for the cancer of sin is already at hand. And it's in Jesus Christ. And we need to learn to share regardless of our circumstances. We have to remember that we conquer circumstances for Jesus Christ. We are not the victim of circumstances. We are the conqueror of circumstances. And it's all for Jesus Christ. And we are not to allow our circumstances to discourage others. We're to use our circumstances to encourage others. Think about that one. How many times in your bad circumstances have you maybe discouraged someone and not encouraged them to know Christ? Paul spread the gospel and he did that by encouraging other believers to be more fearless about witnessing. We say there in the scripture, did you see what he said there? He said, uh, he says, there, he says, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear because of this witness that he's being, because of this encourager that he's being there. And I'm thinking, well, how is this possible? And we see several things here. Paul has this great witness and... <coughs> <laughs> and the converts among the imperial, imperial guard that he's talking to here, they were, they were being talked about all over the city. These, these, these guards, they're changing. There's something going on here. This Paul guy, there's something going on here. And these new converts who are among the soldiers, guess what? They're beginning to share Jesus Christ. They're beginning to share the gospel and how Christ is at work in in their lives. And and Paul, there's these fellow ministers who are visiting him, right? There was Timothy and others. I call them Timmy. Timothy, some of you might get mad if I call him Timmy. I remember one time calling the King James Version the King Jimmy Version, and I had a guy about punch me. 
They're all sharing this news about Paul. They're all sharing about this wonderful witness that he's doing, and they're witnessing about Christ themselves. And this is what's interesting about this, and this is, again, where we can maybe see, well, Paul must not have been suffering too much because, well, Paul has his own place, right? And Paul was also allowed visitors. And while he was a prisoner, many of these believers throughout Rome, they're visiting him, right? And he shared Christ with them, and and he's boldly sharing Jesus Christ with them. And and I want to read to you what it says in Acts 28, 30 through 31. It says, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. I started thinking about that verse and, and what's, what's going on here with Paul. And we love to talk about how Paul is chained to these prisoners, right? And, and earlier I said, who do you feel sorry for, Paul or the prisoners? And we're thinking, well, the prisoners, because Paul's always talking to them about Jesus. So then I start to think, okay, well, now they're allowing visitors to come to him. Now put yourself in that guard's place. He's probably thinking, I am so glad people could come talk to him because I'm tired of him telling me about this Jesus. Guess what? When those people come to visit him, He's not doing the pleasantries we have. I wonder how many of you today actually talked about the circumstances in your life or when we were having fellowship time, you just did the pleasantries. Hmm. Because we're great at that. And these guards must have been thinking, I'm so glad these guys, he's going to talk to them about the bad food. He's going to talk to them about how we're beating him. He's going to talk about all that stuff, but we're not going to have to hear about this Jesus anymore. And these people come and visit him. And what does he do? crying out loud, he talks about Jesus. He just continues to encourage. He continues to teach. He continues to tell about the kingdom of God. And he's teaching everything concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says he's doing it with openness and he's doing it unhindered. Who's in control? God. Paul has this dynamic witness, right? And it's made, made a very strong impact on all of these people around him. This strong witness that he has, despite his terrible circumstances, despite waiting to see if he's going to be dead or not, it stirs many of these believers here to become much more confident in, 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 in owning their witnessing, in becoming more serious and bold in how they witness. So they, they began to witness wherever they were, and it didn't matter their circumstances now. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Amen. Sanctify Christ in your hearts. Always be ready. See, that's not, a, that, that's not something just for the pastors, folks. It's for all of us as ministers of Christ to always be ready. I'm going to wrap it up here. I was going to try to finish this, but I'm not. Come on up, Brian. I think this is a strong enough challenge for us this week. And I want you to think about this. And, and please don't, don't get me wrong on this. 
But I said something just a few minutes ago about we were given a time to share some circumstances in our lives and how God was still working in our life through that and how we were using those circumstances for His good. And I asked the question, I wonder how many of us did it. And the reason I ask that is because I think about this. I think if we can't do it with each other, we're the family of God. We're supposed to be closer than any other. We should be able to share this with each other without worry. And if we can't do it here, how are we going to do it out there? See, that's what we're talking about in this new beginning, this unity that God is doing here. God's given us a great opportunity. We're either going to seize it or not. But let's start here. Let's start getting to know each other here. That's why we're doing our family nights on Wednesday nights. So that we can get to know each other intimately. So that when, we, when we're challenged to share things with each other, we can. There may become a time when you want to stand up here on a Sunday morning and share your witness. You want to share what God's doing in your life. Guess what? Amen. Let's do it. We've got to learn to trust each other. We have to learn to know each other. We can't let our circumstances keep us down. You know, I think about that. I think, well, my thought right away is if I share my circumstance with you, it may not be a circumstance I'm real proud of and it may embarrass me. comes whether I'm going to trust you in that or not. Trust you to keep it or whether you're going to go out and tell everybody. If you go out and tell everybody, that's okay because I'll stand before God blameless. You won't. (laughs) We have a job to do. And our job is to be witnesses Lord Jesus Christ, and I don't care how we feel, I don't care what we're going through, I don't care if it's a good circumstance or a bad circumstance, we are commanded to go ye therefore into all the world and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to make disciples of all men. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are to know that in all that, God says, Lo, I am with you always. He's the one who gives you the power to witness either going to do it or we're not. But it's a command. It's a command. If you're here today and you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ, you you heard me kind of give the brief gospel story of Jesus, how he was born of this virgin and he he lived a perfect life. That, That man didn't kill him. He gave up his life for us. That if we would believe in him, we would come to know him and and he would indwell us with the Holy Spirit. We would be his child and we would have eternal life. We would be saved. If you're here this morning and that sounds good to you and, and you've never given your life to him, I'd like you to come and talk to me this morning. Talk to, there's other people you can talk to. There's, there's Pastor Danny there, there's Jim. I, I see a lot of people you can talk to. Let them know how you're feeling. Talk about it. I want to encourage you to give your life to Christ. It's a change you'll never forget and it's a change you'll never regret. Maybe unless you let your circumstance get you down so low you can't think of anything else. But then you're not doing what I told you and then we got to talk about this all over again. Would you give your life to him? We're going to stand and sing this morning. I'm going to ask Danny to come up. Jim. Maybe one of you here. Maybe you just want to come up and talk to these guys. Maybe there's a circumstance you want to talk to them about. Let's start somewhere.
Come on up, guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day. And Lord, your word and the encouragement that Paul gives us here this morning, Father, we just love you. Lord, help us to respond to this. Help us not to not to live on the surface anymore with one another, but that we can grow as a strong, united army. This platoon that you put together here at Crown Peak, that we can be united and strong, that we might go into the world, Lord, and do just what you've said to make disciples of all men. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who just needs to know you, needs to surrender their life to you, pray that this would be the day. That, Lord, they may come talk to, to Jim or Pastor Danny, God, just to, just to start to, to this process of getting to know you, of, of trusting. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.